Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything twice. (laughs) And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Oh my gosh, guys. We got almost halfway through this podcast, and then I realized that I wasn't recording our guest, Kelsey. Kelsey, we are so happy to have you here. Would you please introduce yourself yet again? You sure you're that happy? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my name is Kelsey Johnson. I am a licensed professional counselor. I started my journey started out when I was in college. I originally thought I was going to go into medical, the medical field, maybe be a doctor, do some medical research, but quickly realized that was not God's path for me. So after finding a passion in psychology and really feeling called to help people on an individual level, I decided that I wanted to pursue counseling. And along the way, I found Ablaze Ministries, formerly CCFM, Collaborative Catholic <laughs> Formation Ministries, um, and served as a middle school youth minister for two years. And Tag me in. I can take it from here because okay. I remember. <laughs> Good. And then after that, she went down to Houston and served as a, uh, a licensed counselor, right? At, at like five different parishes and met a lot of wonderful people along the way. And then... She's going to start her own practice. You skipped so much, but that's fine. <laughs> I did okay. go to what grad did I school, skip? have an education. <laughs> she went to grad school. Oh, at, at my, I'm an alum at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. While she was there in the midst of grad school, she got married and she got a marriage license. And now she's a licensed psych counselor and she has a marriage license. She's a, she's a licensed wife. I am. <laughs> Like, I've never even heard of that in, yeah, whatever. That's funny. Okay. So, Kelsey, um, your experience in youth ministry, how did that um, affect your desire to go into counseling? Yeah. So, I really saw um, that though I could do so much as a youth minister, and so I saw that the these kids that were coming to me, there was really so much that I couldn't do. And there was so much more expertise that I wanted to gain to be able to help people on that individual level, journeying with them at such a deeper level. And so that led me to pursue counseling. And it's, and God has truly shown me that that is where my heart lies, getting to just be, get on this deep level with people. And um, it's such an honor to be trusted with people's stories and people's pain. And I, you know, at, almost at the end of every workday, I just sit there in awe, realizing that these are stories that people probably tell almost no one else in their life. And they, they come to me, you know, virtually a stranger to just share these deep things. So it's, it's, it's an honor to be a counselor. Yeah. And I think that the feeling that you had, every ministry leader has, when they see someone they're serving with going through something or you see their reaction, you're like, I wish I could help. I wish I could do something Um, more. And then sometimes I, like, I know that when I was young in ministry, I had actually probably gotten more involved than I should have because I didn't have the skill level to deal with, you know, what that person was going through and that feeling of helplessness, you know, as a ministry leader, um, is frustrating. And so thank you for, for taking that step to, to be someone that ministry leaders like me can depend on to send people to, because that's essential to have someone like that in your pocket, someone like that, that you know, that you trust as a ministry leader, that's not going to lead the the person they're serving out of the church or lead them, you know, to just, you know, uh, 
to go against church teaching, different things like that. Right. Yeah. I think we're all planting seeds. I know I remember that feeling as a minister, just knowing I'm, I'm planting these seeds. I'm probably not going to see the majority of the fruit that comes. And same with counseling. Honestly, I do get to see, I think a lot of fruit, but at the same time, there's so many seeds that are being planted that I know are going to bear fruit in other people's lives. So we all have to, as ministry leaders and counselors and people in this helping healing profession, we have to be um, just have so much trust in that, that process to know that I'm just called to be here at this part of the journey. That doesn't mean that um, the work ends there, but that this is this is what I'm called to at this time. Just being patient with that. And and you do pitch yourself as a Catholic counselor, right? Faith mm-hmm. faith is a part that you want people to bring to the table. That's not something that's that's common everywhere. Like you know, some of our listeners not, might be in areas that don't have Catholic or Christian counselors. Uh, but you would still recommend like there's value in still going to counseling and kind of sharing your own reality, even if they don't understand or share your faith experience. Definitely. Yeah, I would say a good counselor is going to be respectful of your faith and a, a great counselor is going to be able to integrate that faith into your counseling process. If that if your faith is something that is important to you, because um, as a counselor, I'm looking at what are the strengths in your life that we the strengths that are already there that we can pull from. And for a good bit of people that are coming to counseling, that uh, prayer and relationship with God is a huge strength. So, yeah, if you have a good counselor who you can trust then um, you can, you'll be able to do great work and find. But it's also nice to have a a Catholic counselor that when you mention adoration and God said this to me or God's guiding me this way, that they're not going to look at you like you're someone with three heads. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's definitely a deepens the level of, of trust and intimacy in the counseling process when you have this shared foundation and you could connect with similarly, you know, some of us, those who have, um, a Catholic spouse, you know, there's just this deeper intimacy whenever you have that shared faith. It's a similar concept. Yeah. For those theolo- theological nerds out there, Matt Rice just made a modalism joke. Modalism, the heresy of viewing God as one person with three different heads or three different modes that he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is a heresy. Anyways, moving on. What's your like specialty? What's your focus? Sorry, I just couldn't leave it there. I, was like, that I wasn't was talking really about funny. God with three heads. I was talking about the person with three heads. It's still a modalism joke. Come on. Nerd out with me for just a moment. Golly. So do you do you serve people that get shamed by their co-host on podcasts oh, out of curiosity? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Good. So no, but what's, Chris what, what's your help. focus? Mm-hmm. I work with teens, young adults, and couples. That's my place. I have kind of the most expertise and experience, and particularly um, working with people with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, things like that. Um, I find particularly that uh, where my passion lies is helping people to recognize places where past wounds, past sin, whether they're sin or other sin has impacted their life and caused wounds and pains and um, has impacted the way they view themselves and the world and helping them to heal from that. So really inviting the Holy Spirit into that process and looking at trauma that they've experienced and finding peace and helping them to, um, to live out their identity in a way that helps them to go forward and live out the mission God is calling them to. That's awesome. And you're getting a chance and I actually have no idea. Um, and obviously you can't tell me because you're a good professional, but I have, uh, walked with a young man for, for some years, um, from high school on just in kind of discipleship. And he's at the point now where he's getting married. Um, and the, the woman he's 
going to be engaged with is not Catholic. And so he reached out to me and said, Hey, Matt, um, can you be an impartial person to talk to us and help us navigate this? And I was like, I can't be impartial. (laughs) So it was really good for, you know, to have you actually someone who did ministry, I think with this young man, like you worked with him and met him and, and, and knew him, which is just really cool to, to see kind of that continuity from ministry into counseling. And I think that's you being here in the Bryan College Station area is actually, I, I have a feeling that might happen more often, which is kind of neat. Um, people that you were in ministry with, mm-hmm. you know, actually being in counseling with, which is just cool. Yeah, I agree. Now we're almost at the point where Matt uh, realized he forgot hit record. <laughs> we need to stop bringing this up, but I guess everybody on the podcast is going to know by now. Shame we- me. It's my turn. It's not, it's not your turn. It's, it's always your turn. So, um, Kelsey, we are in a time where uh, as ministry leaders, we're getting ready to launch a fall semester and everyone has experienced this kind of shared trauma, or, uh, as you said earlier, this shared wound with uh, COVID-19 with the pandemic, like it's this constant weight and this constant threat. And there's, there's some tension here and, and it's, it's twofold. Um, how do we serve others? But the, the piece that I want to really start with is like, how do we ourselves in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of this pandemic also, um, move forward because people are looking to us for hope and healing. And sometimes we just need to run around and scream. The sky is falling as well, because the sky is falling, you know, it really feels that way. So (laughs) yes, for sure. So if we think about this in terms of, uh, this model, I guess we'll say, we think about ourselves as an individual and all the things that impact us. So thinking about our mental health, we've got our individual level of our world and everything going on. So our own habits and life and just those things that impact us on day to day. And we've also got our community. We've got our family. We've got the people around us. And then on this highest level, we've got this societal impact. So right now we all have this shared thing going on in our realm of societal impact. So we are all suffering from this stress, this uncertainty. We all know it's, you know, what we're talking about here. Uh, So just recognizing the fact that we all do have this unifying factor that is impacting us. Now, within all those levels, we also still have everything going on. We've got our, you know, sometimes broken relationships with our parents. We've got our bad habits. We've got all these different things also. So just realizing all these things are going to are compounding and they're, um, you know, we don't experience anything individually or in isolation. So we have to recognize that all this is going on. And then as people who are seeking to help the people in the midst of this process, um, also have to realize that we can't give CPR to people if we ourselves are drowning. And like you said, people are kind of looking to us like the flight attendants, right? You look to the flight attendants to make sure that everything's still okay. And you don't want people to see you screaming and and saying the sky is falling because you don't want people freaking out. But at the same time, we're all going to (laughs) die. At the same time, we can give validation to our own emotions and share those emotions without causing pandemonium to other people. But us saying, you know, to as parents, us saying to our kids or us saying to our um, kids in our youth group that, hey, this has been hard for me. I've been sad about having to miss this. I've been frustrated. I've been uh, angry. Us just naming those emotions is so powerful. It's so healing to ourselves because whenever we name those emotions, we give ourselves permission to feel them. It helps us to really move through those emotions, not just get over it, but to move through them because that's the point of emotions. Um, 
emotion, the words like energy and motion. So it's supposed to be a kind of emotion energy that gives us, calls us to action really. And they're meant to be quick. We're not meant to have emotions for a long period of time. That's when we really start to get into things like depression and anxiety when we're stressed for long periods of time or sad for long periods of time. And it can start to take a really um, mental and emotional toll and also a physical toll on our bodies. So our emotions are meant to be pretty quick. So whenever we give name to our emotion, it helps us to move through them the way that we're supposed to and move on to the next thing. So us giving ourselves permission to feel those emotions is really step one. And this is where we get to sound really smart because we've heard the podcast already once is sometimes we'll have those emotions and then we'll have a, a meta emotion on top of that that we put on top of that emotion. Look how smart I sound. Yeah. You know what? Kelsey said that. Kelsey, why don't you explain <laughs> meta emotion? Yeah, this meta emotion. So that's whenever you know I'm feeling sad because I had to cancel my birthday party. But then I feel really ashamed that I feel sad because I know that there's a mom out there who is a nurse and can't go see her family because she's been exposed to COVID. And so then I feel bad for feeling sad about my thing. So I feel this shame on top of the sadness. So this sadness really gets just compounded. I think it's like a little rock that gets stuck to the surface of the earth. And then what that's going to do, it's us feeling that shame is not going to get rid of that sadness or even help this other person who's going through something really difficult too. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to turn these feelings into something deeper. It's going to get repressed and turn into something like depression, or it's going to explode and turn into you know, anger or something like that and probably impact the people around us because we're exploding in anger at things that are probably not really the real cause of our emotions. And us taking time to feel those feelings, us taking time to say, hey, I'm sad and giving ourselves that compassion does not take away from our ability to be compassionate towards other people. It actually adds to it. So I can be sad that I missed out on my thing and also still feel that same compassion for another person who is also going through a difficult thing. There's no point in comparing the intensity of our experiences, really. I hear that a lot in the, the counseling offices, people saying, oh, like people have it so much worse. And sometimes I tell people, you know what, if we, if we all said that and um, said, you know, I shouldn't really focus on this because someone else has it worse, then I would have one client and that would be that one person that we decided has the worst thing in the entire world and no one else would get any help. <laughs> There'd be a competition like a survivor type exactly. of show. <laughs> to find your one client. Um, I think about, you know, they talk about the Titanic and how the, the band kept playing as the Titanic was sinking. Um, I don't want ministry leaders to be seen in that role. Like, mm. I don't want us to be like, everything is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, that's not okay. Like, things are not okay. And if we as ministry leaders don't acknowledge that, right, then uh, th th then we're ignorant. Like, okay, does Jesus still love everybody? Yes, Jesus still loves everybody. Is that good news? Yes, that's good news. But someone also lost their job, and sometimes it's ministry leaders, coworkers. There's a lot of hurt going on as well. And so we, we have to make sure that uh, as ministry leaders, we're acknowledging that, that deeper reality. Mm -hmm. But I feel ill-equipped. Yeah. You know, I am not a, a, a licensed counselor. And so when, when we're talking about, uh, you know, people are really hurting on this level, I can't employ people who have lost their jobs. You know, all these different things, I feel completely helpless in a lot of ways. So how do we as ministry leaders kind of acknowledge the hurts that are out there uh, with, with our limitations and with our own hurts? Mm, yeah, so much within that. And then and my first thought was, you know, you think about those people that, that tell you everything's awesome, everything's fine. That's not helpful, is it? When you hear that person, you just kind of want to punch them in the face and say, like, have you have you been here lately? 
So it's just not helpful. But whenever you really do take that time to acknowledge like, yeah, things are hard. That's so powerful. You know, I think of the movie Inside Out, which is actually a great resource for, for parents, for ministry leaders, is watching movies like that where there's good emotional education and just kind of yeah. having conversations with, with kids about that. There's this moment where the character of, of sadness sits with um, the the imaginary friend, the little elephant animal guy, and she just sits there with him, enjoys like, why are you sitting here being sad? But she lets them do it, and sadness just sits there and says like, yeah, that was really hard. And then the, the elephant guy's like, yeah, and he cries for a minute, and then he gets up and he says, okay, let's go. Let's go do the thing. And it's so yep. powerful because that's what we're doing is we're sitting there in the emotion. So as ministry leaders, you know, it's it's similar to things you you already are doing as a good ministry leader, people are coming to you with their issues or coming to you talking about, you know, their issues at home, their issues at school. And you're not going to the school and calling the principal and saying like, Hey, give them a better grade. You're not going and fixing all these things for them. Your job is not to fix. No one's job is to go in and fix like that. Your job is just to sit there and be with them and listen. And my favorite analogy for that comes from Brene Brown talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy. So empathy is whenever someone is in this, this deep, dark hole and they're sitting there in the hole. Empathy is whenever you get in the hole and you sit next to them and you say, I'm here. I can't fix it, but I'm here with you. And that is it. Sympathy is whenever you're standing at the edge, the other side and going, I'm really sorry you're in there. Looks tough. I'm sorry. And it's kind of like, I don't, I don't want to touch that. Like, I'm sorry that you're there, but I'm, I'm going to stay here or I'm good. And then there's the fixers who want to go in and take the ladder in and say, hey, I have this ladder. Like, let's, let's get up, which I think is the most tempting thing to do because we're like, hey, I can see how to get out. Let's just get out. But that is not what that person needs. That person just needs someone to sit with them and then to find their own ladder so that they can get out. And this is this is why you're a counselor and I'm not, because I'm a fixer. You're the ladder guy. I'm the guy, I am the guy who will bring the ladder in and try to make the person you know, help push them up the ladder and try to make that happen. But empathy has been something that I've known that, I mean, we've known is is just a gift that you have. Um, which is beautiful. Um, and so it's great that, that you are in that role and not me. <laughs> Matt's like, Chris, have you tried just not being sad? Thanks, Matt. I didn't think of that. You know, so yeah, that's that's Matt the fixer. Yeah, and to, to have empathy requires you to have a good foundation in your life, like we were talking about earlier. If you yourself are not getting the care that you need, um, and I hate the word self-care because it's such a buzzword right now. I think it's just become mm -hmm. a trigger for people. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, in order to have that empathy, you really need to have at least some foundation of really basic things like getting enough sleep, getting some exercise, drinking water, praying, having interaction with people. <laughs> Chris has got his water. Yeah. So you really need that foundation because otherwise you're going to whenever we are um, kind of running on empty or just not getting those 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 good basic things we start to revert back to the the, the worst version of ourselves those those different uh, bad habits and things like that and so if you know that you're supposed to be empathetic and you you have you know developed the skill of compassion if you're running on empty you're going to revert back to that fixing or that you know agitation of you know why can't you just be happy things like that so you getting that self-care that you need, taking time off, taking a break, and just realizing, you know, as you go back into ministry, that's going to look different. You probably had your routine of, you know, having my day off, hopefully, and different things like that. But just realize you may need an extra 
day off a week. You may, if possible, you know, you may need some extra stuff, some extra prayer time. Um, and something I think that is so important is that social component, having people that you are talking to because, um, you know, we talked about how this is a huge stressor for all of us and it's creating these symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And people are going to actually fall into that category of having post-traumatic stress from this experience. And there's this, this flip side of, of PTSD. So when we experience a stressor that can turn into PTSD, but there's a flip side of it that is called post-traumatic growth. And the, I'll say that again, post-traumatic growth. So that's whenever. Chris looked really confused. Yeah. Like, like I've never heard what that is before. This? I'm, I'm yeah. so excited. She's already blown my mind like <laughs> right? three times. Well, so I'm like, here's so number like, four. Why don't we talk about this more? Um, so there's a lot of research and studies on this basically, but they, they found that the most um, impactful thing from, if you're going to experience it in terms of PTSD or post-traumatic growth is social support. So you have to have that social support. And like we're talking about, you know, giving permission to our feelings. It's not just having people in your life, but it's willing to be vulnerable with those people in your life, willing to actually think about what I'm going through and talk about what I'm going through and then share that with other people and having that social support. So a lot of times uh, ministry leaders are tempted to uh, to kind of be perfect, be whole be you know and uh and then the question comes who warms the sun right how do we stay that bright light burning and i'm i'm hearing two things one is that uh is that we need to make sure that we're 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 doing healthy habits so that we can be the best version of ourselves as matthew kelly would say not was the, that was that your australian accent <laughs> a little gaelic in there i'm sorry i don't know i could do an elmo voice i read my kids stories all the time so i have lots do of elmo choose from... best version of yourself do that be the best version of yourself <laughs> so <laughs> we thank you matt the other reality so healthy practices and that includes maybe even taking time off or 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 stomaching that buzzword self-care right and uh and the other piece i'm hearing is actually our, our sun doesn't have to burn that brightly. It's okay if we're going through stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And sitting with other people in the darkness, even if we are dimmer than what we used to be back before COVID, it still it still brings the light of Christ to them, even though it's not like super happy Jesus. It's like, actually, this is kind of like Jesus woman at the well moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he wasn't, he wasn't super optimistic, but he was super present. And, uh, and that, and that's, that's a beautiful thing, super authentic, you know? And, uh, and so I think we also need to give ourselves permission that ministry might look different during this time and sitting with someone also might look different. It might be a phone call, a series of text messages or a zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't go in with an agenda and just, just be, be with these people in the best way you can and allow them that vulnerability piece you mentioned, allow them to be with you as well. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Everything you just said, allow them to be with you and being super present. And I'm just kind of hit right now with this feeling of, you know, you saying that ministry is going to look different. It's going to be hard, but I think this is providing the grounds for probably the most important and most impactful work that you will do. Mm. Because this Mm. is truly the grounds for healing. And I, what comes to mind is something that I hear come up for people, particularly the people that are walking through the kind of darkest trauma that you can imagine, particularly abuse in younger years and things like that. And something that I've heard come up when they actually choose to engage with their story and to talk about those hard things that have happened and to invite Jesus into that, 
which is one of the hardest things because, you know, something I invite people to do within that process is to, to go back into that experience, whatever it may have been and, and ask Jesus where he was and try to visualize where Jesus was. And that's so difficult because most people's first reaction is anger and that anger of feeling, how could he have been there? How could he have watched that happen and let that happen? And what I find God reveal to them time and time again is he tells them, I was weeping. I was weeping with you. And it's so powerful and so profound. And that's what God promises us whenever we make that choice to enter into our, our suffering, enter into our story, into the hard things with ourselves and with other people. He promises us that even though it feels like it's going to be too much and it's going to hurt and it's going to be overwhelming, that we will not be alone, that he will give us the grace to be with us and he will not leave us. He will enter into that grief with us and he'll weep with us. And that's what we're talking about in the beginning is feeling those emotions and entering into that. And he promises he will be there with us. And his, his human emotional experience is so profound that it's one of the mysteries of the rosary. The agony in the garden could be also said the anxiety in the garden, right? Like he is stressing out. Like, like I've stressed out to where my palms have been sweaty, but not to where I've been sweating blood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I only want to portray the resurrected Jesus. A lot of times in ministry, that's the one that's the fun and games and Jesus. And it's like, but also suffering and it's meaningful and your life is enriched by these experiences. If you put them in the proper context and Christ modeled that and he invites us to that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't invite us to do it alone. He is with us literally experiencing the same things, but sweating blood instead of just mm-hmm. sweating sweat, like in, in an intense way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, I think that's a profound reality that uh, even God himself was willing to, to do the, the most, uh, the most authentic form of accompaniment possible mm-hmm. through the incarnation. Yeah. And, you know, he resurrected with wounds. Mm. So there really is no option to just be the fun Jesus. <laughs> the fun <laughs> Jesus has the wounds too. And, you know, I think it's important also you're talking about, um, you know, wanting to be that ministry leader that's, that's bringing some just lightheartedness and playing the games and stuff like that. That is needed too. We need the fun. We need the play. There's actually research on this concept of play, which is definition of it is basically just spending time where you just lose yourself in the moment. You're doing something fun. It's not goal oriented. That is so powerful for our mental health and our mental well-being. But it needs to come after the acknowledging of our feelings. We can't just use it to, to be in denial, but recognizing, hey, this is hard. Tell me what you're feeling. What's going on? And then let's go play dodgeball and throw some rubber balls at each other because we need that too. Yeah, and and it can be it can be organic too. I think about my brother. He was uh, he was in the mall with his kids, and they were going on one of those mall roller coasters, which is basically like a ride that goes over three hills <laughs> in a circle, right? And he was on it, and the first time around, everyone was just kind of sitting there like. I paid money for this. And then the next time, every time it went down the hill, and this is like he's going like six miles an hour down a hill that's like three feet long. He threw his hands up in the air and he went, wee, wee, every single time. And everyone on that little kitty ride looked and was surprised at first. But by the time they started going down the second hill, everyone's hands were in the air. And the whole thing, he had changed the mood of that area in the mall. And it's it's unbelievable, the gift of play. Um, and, and, and that's contagious. Um, but some of these pieces, they, they can't be contagious like that. They need to be more personal. Right. And, 
And that 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 for us is sometimes a stretch with our skill set because some of us are very good about rallying the troops, mm-hmm. but we need to be also also kind of strengthened in our role of journeying one on one with some of those people that might be hurting a little bit more those more intimate conversations. And there's some people out there that are excellent at that as well. But now the the field has changed, right? The hospital is not our typical field hospital. It is actually over Zoom or over over phone calls or over text messages, and that that's hard too because it's like. <laughs> Everything that I got good at is now taken away, and now I have to figure out how to do it in this pandemic world. And and, and and there is challenges there, and there's part of me that just wants to bootstrap, but there's also some grieving that has to take place because I miss everything. I miss collecting phones from teens when they're using it during the talk and prayer time. Like I miss everything <laughs> about what my ministry was before March 15th. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're modeling really well right now what that means to grieve. You recognize that feeling. And as you're saying that, I'm reminded of of spiritual poverty. You're stripped of the things that you've spent years developing the strengths to do, this one-on-one conversation and all these different things that come with that. Um, but it feels like God is really calling us to just let go of those things mm-hmm. that we've relied on and to let him be the guide And um, it's interesting also, as I've listened to other therapists talk about how they're coping with this time and majority of therapists are still doing telehealth, which is such a gift because we are able to continue to support people in this time over telehealth. And honestly, it's something that I did not think I would ever do in my career is doing virtual counseling, but um, I've... I will now be doing that because of the times, but I've heard all these therapists talking about how just the gift of it and how people have Mm. gotten to be so much more personal. They get to just do therapy from their beds and be comfortable. And so I'm finding that they're, they're, you know, even though this is, you know, not ideal by anyone's terms, but there is gifts within these different things that I think we're going to find. But like you said, yes, we need to acknowledge the grief and the sadness of the things that we've lost, but then also let ourselves see the benefits of, the way things have been changing. Yeah, it's been interesting in in a youth ministry side of things. Some of the Zoom meetings or digital uh, gatherings that we've had, teens that are usually normally super quiet or even disengaged at our normal youth gatherings are blowing up the chat in uh, in our in our digital meetings and things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you had a personality. <laughs> and look at you, like you're driving some neat conversation here, and it's it's really uh, it's really profound. So it's, it's it is this different time creates new opportunities, um, but it, it also lays to rest some old ones, at least for this season. And that that does make me sad at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Kelsey, um, how can people get a hold of you? Um, I am, I'm assume you have a website, email address, whatnot. Yeah. So the easiest way to find everything about me is if you go to abidecounselingbcs.com, you will find all my contact information, my email and ways to schedule an appointment. If you're interested in doing counseling with me, uh, I'm local here in the college station area. If you want to see me in person, I also, like I mentioned, do telehealth. So I am licensed to be able to serve anyone in the state of Texas, um, over, virtual sessions and then i also we're on facebook at abide counseling great yeah i have a good friend who does um counseling just via phone i'm not even sure if it's video um once a week and it's been amazingly fruitful for him so it's it doesn't have to be face to face which is kind of like you said it's a a good fruit of what's coming from all this Well, great. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation online. And Kelsey, we did not get to what you wanted to talk about specifically. So we will we will have you on again. 
Um, guys, great. please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Yeah, and actually, uh, go ahead and send Matt a message directly and give him a hard time about uh, share what, what big flubbub you've done in ministry. I would love to actually hear that. Some of those would be fun to share at the beginning of the next episode or if whatever. You've gotten halfway through your ministry and realized you totally forgot a very essential part. What did you do? Yeah, exactly. And you guys here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, to look and self-reflect on how you are dealing with the emotions that are coming through the pandemic, and, uh, and then to create pathways to be empathetic with people. Thanks for being with us, Kelsey. We will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. I want to speak to that because I think there's people out there that are like me, that are like... Uh, saving their vacation for when we can go on vacation hold on i totally forgot to record on zoom i'm such a freaking idiot